Hey there, and welcome to Speakeasy with Kendra Fisher. Join me each week as my guests and I take a deep dive into all of the conversations we've been taught are better left unsaid. No more silence, no more hiding. This is a safe space where anything goes. I am so excited about today's episode of Speakeasy. I am joined by ClearSips co-founders, David and Margaret. I don't want to say too much because there's just some things that are going to come out of this conversation that I don't want to ruin the secret. David, Margaret, thank you so much for joining me. I, I mean, I'm looking at the background in your in your home right now, and I'm just jealous. I want to be sitting there with you guys having this conversation. But we're going to do this this way because that's just what we do these days. Thanks for having us, Kendra. We're really excited to be here. And uh, it's not our home. It's uh, we're in northern Ontario right now, just taking a few days to get away. So oh, so I'm interrupting you on your vacation, even? No, 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 no. not a working vacation for sure. Okay, okay. Yeah, northern Ontario. Whereabouts? We're just outside of Perry Sound. Oh, in lovely. One area. Lovely. Yeah. So we we started this off today, and and I was already jealous because I saw this nice, beautiful fireplace behind them, and I was just kind of sitting here in my room in Toronto thinking that I'm in the wrong spot right now. So I'm, <laughs> I'm motivated now. Okay. So I'm excited. I'm so excited for everything about this conversation, for everything we're going to do moving forward, for announcements, for just, just everything about this. So first off, David and Margaret, you guys started a company, ClearSips. And I want you guys to explain Clear sips first, because clearly nobody can do it better than those who conceived of it and and conceptualized it and brought it to reality. So, what is Clear Sips? Who are you guys? Well, we're um, we're a family business. So, uh, you know, I I having had a wine agency for a couple of decades, um, you know, have have uh, sourced have been sourcing wines for for a long time, products for a long time. And, um, you know, we, Margaret and I both, uh, quit, um, alcohol about almost nine years ago. Amazing. So, yeah. So, you know, back then there, there really weren't very many options, you know, for us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we would, you know, drink, I don't even think bubbly was around then, but LaCroix certainly was. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of a few point five options. Yeah, exactly, and they weren't they weren't very good. And I, I, I'm I'm not going to disagree with you by any means. <laughs> yeah. So we had kind of we had kind of you know over the last uh, seven eight years or so you know kind of given up on the on the whole thought that there would be you know any any other options. And really, uh, Margaret is a is a, a coach. Uh, she helps uh, women. Um, uh, you know, kind of navigate life without, you know, without alcohol. And okay. one of her clients actually said about a year ago, you know, there's a lot more options out there, you know, and she, she happened to be somebody who is a good researcher and, and said, you know, there's, there's a lot of things happening out there. So we, that kind of piqued our interest. And so I started looking and indeed, if you go to, if you go to Europe or you go to other areas of the world, they're they're much further ahead than we are with mm -hmm. their their non-alcoholic choices. Mm -hmm. So essentially, I just began a search and became very very excited about you know finding um, you know new options for people who had chosen you know to uh, to remove alcohol. And I was really pleased with what I found. And I used my wine model, you know, um, calling on restaurants. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the whole kind of as many channels of sales, you know, there's a grocery channel, there's a direct to consumer uh, channel, there's, um, you know, uh, restaurant channel. I really saw there was a, a good opportunity to get some high quality products into people's hands, into restaurants hands with the whole idea of, of giving people options that they mm -hmm. didn't, you know, necessarily have before. And so that's kind of the origins of, of Clear Sips. And as it turned out, all four of us had kind of unique skills that we could contribute to the company. So I was more of the sourcing yeah. products and the logistics and, you know, getting stuff here. Um, Margaret, you know, copyrights for the website. She's got a blog, you know. Um, Mary uh, is the, you know, the marketer. She's the marketing genius behind 
mm-hmm. Clear Sips, and Emily um, does all of our social media. So, you know, when you combine all these things, I mean, I wish, you know, when I started my business 20 years ago, I had these options. It yeah, was just me. Yeah. It was just yeah. me back then. But what a difference when you can you can bring all the strengths, you know, to, to the... Oh, absolutely. Were you still doing uh, the wine? Like, was your wine company still in existence at this time? So you start kind of... Is, it, it still is, still today. is now. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I, and I just want to say, because I do get the question... So you're in this non-alcoholic. I love you know, it. Are you yeah. just are you just trying to take advantage of something here? And I, yeah, you know, like, like you want both worlds. You want the yeah, best of both can, worlds. Yeah, I can see. I can see that. I guess you know the way I feel about it is that I am sober. So yeah. you know, there's there's a, a genuine a genuineness there. You yeah. know that that probably wouldn't be there if I were you know if I were still drinking. You know, so yeah. I don't feel like I'm a fraud. I can still taste wines. I still taste hundreds of wines on the alcohol yep. side a year. Yep. Um, and it, as any professional taster, you're always spitting anyway. So, yep. Yep. you know, that doesn't come up, you know, for me on the alcohol side, you know, um, you know, where it would interfere with that side of the business, but it yep. certainly is great on the non-alcoholic side of the business, you know? It's, it's so unique. And I hadn't even thought about it until I'm just thinking now having that conversation is, is, you know, it's got to be such a change too. I mean, being somebody who's trained in tasting wine. And I mean, for those of us who are completely ignorant to this, I mean, it's, it's all just theatrics, right? Like really, why do you have your nose in the glass? Why are we spitting? Like (laughs) just, just drink the wine. Um, But, you know, to then be able to apply that to a completely different industry. I mean, were you faced with backlash, pushback from the people that you'd been working with for decades? And all of a sudden now you're over there being like, P.S., do you guys have the like (laughs) non-alcoholic version? Because I know how people look at me when I walk into a bakery and I'm like, do you have gluten free? And they're like, why? Why why would we have gluten free? Why would you take the gluten out of this? Because why bother? Right, right. Well, um, you know, I don't think... I, I did have that fear a year ago when we started the yeah. business, um, which is why on our site we say three out of four of us are sober. Yeah. So I left it. We kind of left it open on purpose just to be a little yeah. ambiguous. So just we like didn't, the guessing we game. Yeah, we didn't disclose <laughs> who. So if somebody read that on the wine side and said, "Well, it's obviously him because he's got a wine agency," I was yeah. okay with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And meanwhile, secrets out of the bag, though. Secrets out of the bag now. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, we're all over here playing the non-alcoholic drinking games, trying to figure (laughs) out who at Clear Sips is the one who's who's not, right? Well, exactly. Um, (laughs) I'll tell you where it was difficult in that first, you know, that first, you know, year of sobriety or first two or three years of sobriety uh, was when I was with my suppliers. You know, I mean, some of my suppliers. That industry. Yeah, that that was that was tough. because that's what they do. That's the, you know, that's their whole Absolutely. reason. You're right. So if they, they, you know, so I did, there was a lot of stealth drinking on my part, you know, where I pretend and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it's so ridiculous because it really has no bearing on choosing a wine, you yeah. know, for somebody, whether you actually swallow it or not. It's just, yeah. it's just all about, it's just all about concepts and, yeah. You know, um, yeah. Like I've certainly never picked up a wine bottle. Now, granted, it's been 22 years since I picked up a wine bottle that did wow, have congrats. alcohol in it. Um, but I mean, I don't ever see anybody reading the label looking for the like hangover rating or the like right. they're not interested in what happened if you actually swallowed it. They just want to know what it tastes good with. And it's yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. So it's all on that front end. It's all uh, on right. The, yeah. Exactly. That's yeah. that's it. That's awesome. And yeah. so. I mean, you're alluding to having chosen sobriety and in choosing sobriety, simply a lifestyle change, something that just was too much a part of your life or just kind of naturally where life went. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, my own, my own story isn't, I don't think a lot, you know, all that different from many. It's not, it's not overly dramatic. Yeah. You know, I think that, um, you know, high school, university, over drinking for sure. When we first got married, our drinking actually went down when we were first married for yeah. the first, you know, three or four years. And then yeah. I started the wine, you know, the wine business, did a lot of traveling, looking, searching for wines. So it became, 
it became more a bigger part of my life professionally and personally. So most people go to work and then they come home and they, you know, it's, it's, there's a separation there, but for me, there wasn't, so there's always open samples. There's, you know, yeah. I'm tasting stuff all the time and, you know, I don't want things to go to waste. So, you know, <laughs> so the drinking naturally increased for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, to the point where, you know, in my, in my early agency days, I was, it was always more about the wine than the alcohol, you know, but I would say over a 10 year period that kind of switched, mm-hmm. you know, and that could be conducive with all, you know, everything else that goes in, you know, you're raising a family and your stress levels go up, you're, you know, maybe you're making a little bit more money. So I think there's a definite link to um, drinking with affluence, like if you, yeah. with disposable income, yeah, you know, and so all of these factors I think contributed, but, you know, towards, you know, my late forties, it really became, you know, more about the alcohol than the wine. And I started to have these internal conversations with myself about alcohol as though it were another partner, you know, like yeah. another, another, you know, a person in a relationship. Yeah. And that, that was troubling to me that I was even having these conversations. And then Absolutely. Margaret quit in, you know, in March timeframe, something like that. And three weeks after Margaret quit, I'm sitting up, you know, in our room and it's a Sunday night. And I'm saying, I'm having those conversations and saying, I'm not drinking tonight. I'm, I'm just not going to do it. Mm-hmm. 20 minutes later, the Napa Valley cab is open. And yeah. you know, 45 <laughs> minutes later after that, the bottle is empty. Yeah. You know, and I woke up the next morning. I said, that's it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not having this conversation anymore. So okay. that's kind of in a nutshell what happened with me. And so Margaret, I mean, that is... So clearly you had your own journey, uh, you know, entirely separate from this place where I, sorry, you weren't working in the wine. Company. I was not. No. Okay. So here you are, you have your own relationship with alcohol, you have your own journey and you know, you're, you're living next to somebody who that is their, you know, day, evening, night by business by choice by whatever and so for you i mean where where did the motivation come for you and and your kind of place in clear sips i know that you guys are are co-founders of this in terms of you know it's it's creation and you know what was your journey to get here Oh, I, I'm not dissimilar than David's because, yeah. you know, we do live in the same house and I have the same <laughs> access. And, yeah. and let's face it, we met in a bar in university. Like we were, we were drinking buddies for sure. I mean, okay. we like have a good time yeah. when we met. It was one of the things that I think we were drawn to each other because of it. I mean, that was our, our friendship group. We were yeah. partiers. We would like to have a good time. And, you know, we, as David said, we dialed that back well into our later in our twenties and when we had children. Um, and then as we, I think as we started to approach our forties, um, it was just more integrated outside of going out with friends. It was, I still remember when David bought the first case of red wine and, you know, we weren't those kind of purchasers. We were, uh, buy a bottle of wine on Friday night. Um, it might last till Saturday night. And yeah. the liquor stores were in Ontario were closed on Sundays in yeah. the in the nineties. Yeah. So that was yeah. that. But then the access, and I'm not going to blame the access because I'm sure that you know, given the nature of of how alcohol works, it is progressive. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm going to say, you know, I definitely progressed in tolerance. Um, had a limit, but my limit changed yeah. over a 15 year span. And for me, um, I was, uh, had my own career and it was high pressure. And if I came home after work and on the counter was uh, half of a bottle of white, something that David had tasted somewhere in a restaurant that day, and yeah. there'd be samples all over the place. And that was yeah. just have a glass of wine to unwind, start cooking dinner. And that was my number one fastest, most efficient way to relax. Yeah. And then I started to feel... Um, that it was the only way I knew how to relax, that I, you know, I always worked out, I always hiked, I always went to spin classes and things like that, but I could work that around. Nothing, nothing interfered with the 5 to 8 p.m. slot. I yeah. wasn't out yeah. working out then or at a bookstore. Yeah. I was entrenched in our, our habit. 
And for me, I was approaching 50 at this point and I didn't feel well. Like I wasn't, it was starting to interfere with my sleep. I could mm -hmm. fall asleep, but not stay asleep. Um, I've always been leaned on the side of being anxious and it really, really was gasoline to my anxiety. Absolutely. And, um, you know, that waking up in the morning, slightly hungover, and then having three cups of black coffee wasn't exactly a recipe for wellness. So I, no, no, my, I, I feel like you and I would have been great friends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so my, um, my internal voice was a decade long. I would say I went long stretches, like one, as long as 10 months. Um, before I finally quit thinking, this is it, I'm not going to drink again. Um, but I had, I was at war with myself and, um, it wasn't as, as tidy as David's and I wanted David, I tried to bring him into my war, like by, um, attacking his drinking a little bit, like, yeah. you know, you really yeah. need to, you really need to quit. It was not about me. And it yeah. took, it took a real sort of change of perspective to take the focus off of him and put it on myself and say, how are you feeling? How is this working for you? Yeah. And I think really for me, the big, big turning point was getting so tired of disappointing myself uh, with promises made to myself and um, being able to keep those promises, like, you know, being honest and having integrity is a huge value of mine. Yeah. And when you turn on yourself and you can't trust yourself, that's what I started to realize. And I thought you can't even trust your own bullshit. So, yeah, exactly. um, Exactly. So that was the, you know, I brought a kinder voice to it over time, but at the beginning I was just mad at myself. So yeah. I made it, I, you know, I kind of made it, it was, it was a big crash, uh, moment, not in that it was a low, low bottom, but it was just sort of like something clicked, something mm -hmm. clicked and there was no turning back. Once I made that decision, I, I sort of was entrenched and it was black and white for me and it hadn't been for 10 years. So, you know, in just hearing David share that story, uh, his, his side of it and kind of watching this. So it sounds like you finally hit that switch. You finally hit that limit. Now you're sitting there, you are, you have that conviction in your decision and you're sitting in bed next to somebody who is potentially leaving the room to go hang out by himself so that he's not doing this in front of you, I would imagine. Um, how much of that played out between you guys? How much of it was you at that point? Did you still kind of pull him into your narrative? Were you no. still encouraging that? Or was it just, you know what? I'm good now. I'm done. You do you. It was exactly that. And I don't know where it came from, but I kind of felt like I was fighting for my own life. And it yeah. had nothing to do with him. Yeah. And um, I do remember he, he was only went, he only continued drinking for three weeks after. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> I was like sort of shocked. I thought. I'm, I'm pretty sure that if, <laughs> if Margaret had continued, you know, uh, you yeah. know criticizing me, I would have drank longer. <laughs> I, I think that's I fair. I, yeah. I think that's fair because I think when somebody's pointing out something that you're having such an internal conversation about already, it's almost, it almost becomes so complex that you can't stop. Like there's that piece of it where it's like, well, now I can't stop because, because then it's not my choice and it can't be about this. And it's also that like defiance of, right. yeah. no, yeah. You, you can't tell me what to do. Well, that's, that becomes the focus, right? The yeah. focus becomes, you can't tell me what to do. And it's, you totally lose the focus on your own internal, you know, your, your own problem. And you know, as we all know, it's self-diagnosed. So if you're not coming up with it, you know, on your own, Absolutely. you're likely not going to succeed, you know, in your, in your journey, if it's just, if you're doing it for somebody else. So we it, were, I think we were fortunate, you know, that we both quit Yeah. and, you yeah. know, we, we observe in couples sometimes where somebody is, somebody has stopped and the other person hasn't. And invariably, you know, it could be with good intentions at the beginning, but invariably you kind of observe that there's this friction because yeah. for the first time you see your partner, you know, you're not, yeah. you're not both under the influence and you start to see things maybe you didn't see before. And yeah. it must be very difficult in, in situations where both people don't quit, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I think that certainly becomes a complexity on, for so many reasons. I mean, there's the judgment, there's the unintentional judgment and the subconscious judgment of, I know what it took me to get here. Why don't they care enough about themselves to do the same? There's also the, how it affects you. 
And then it's that, you know, I hate the word resentment, but it, it does give kind of fuel to that. I, I, I don't think you can avoid it. I don't think it's a conscious or malicious act on anybody's behalf. It's just kind of that evolution of change. Yeah. But so would you have, you know, you say, and I, I'm, I feel like I might know the answer here, but I'm curious. So you say you probably wouldn't have quit drinking for a considerably longer amount of time had the conversation still been, you know, outward. If Margaret was telling you, you need to stop, but would you have quit had she not? I, I think so because, yeah. you know, um, I think that, you know, uh, I was having those internal conversations for probably not as long as, as Margaret. Yeah. Um, you know, I wasn't, alcohol didn't change my personality. I didn't become, yep. you know, I didn't become belligerent or I became actually, you know, more outgoing, more extroverted, yeah. softer, you know, I'm so much more fun like this. <laughs> exactly. So there was no reason that there was no reason from that point of view. It was more the, just that, maybe it comes down to, to, to control, you know, yeah. it, you know, for lack of a better uh, way of, of, um, of looking at it, that yeah. I didn't want to be controlled by alcohol. And yeah. I felt like I was. Yeah. And, and, so and I, I love that. Come, yeah. I would have come to it, I think. And I, but, and I love that. And that's why I asked the question, because I think that there's this, uh, kind of tricky area where people are like, well, now I have to do it because they've done it. And, and I, I, you know, just to reiterate what you had said, I think if you don't come to that place in your own journey where it is an individual experience and it's not about doing it for somebody else and it's, you know, it's the age old cliche, you can only help yourself. Yeah. And, you know, you can certainly enlist supports and I'm sure that it was potentially made slightly easier of a process yeah. because you didn't have somebody who was like, you know, but come on, you know, let's just have a, have a glass of wine with me, <laughs> Yeah, you know? So but I, also I, think, I think it's important also to, you know, to emphasize that you don't need your partner to stop for you to stop. Absolutely. And that is never a message that I would ever want, you know, no, communicated no, no. because there is such, there is, you know, we did a, a pop-up at stock market in Toronto yep. uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And for the first time we really met, a lot of our customers that we had only known online at that point. Yeah. And the stories are unbelievable that everybody has. And, you know, there is such, you know, I probably had 10 people talk about in Toronto, the sober community and how supportive it is. Yeah. You know, and I wasn't, you know, I live, we live in Burlington, so I wasn't, you yeah. know, I hadn't become aware of that yeah. so much, but to hear that from people, you know, who could be alone in their journey mm -hmm. was, was so reassuring that, yep. and, and just generally people, people who are looking for non-alcoholic options are way more excited about these opportunities and things, these, these, these options than yeah. people who drink. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I don't disagree. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, you know, my, my journey has been long enough that I, I, I missed all of that. You know, first off, my story wasn't that I engaged in community to stop drinking. My story was very much, I was so sick with my mental health that it became a life or death choice. I either continue to do this and I never get better from this concurrent issue that I am not managing at all. Yeah. Or I continue down this road and I am unequivocally going to not survive this because I can't continue to use something as a coping strategy that has a direct influence on the thing that I'm trying to cope with. And it's a <laughs> negative influence a hundred percent of the time. Right. So right. for me, there was no choice. There was, it wasn't, uh, my journey was not, uh, meetings or support groups or, you know, it just, it was very much like, a, okay, I don't want to die. I, I don't yeah. want to die. I want to get better. I need my life to be something more. And, and I quit and I was very successful in just quitting, you know, partially because of my anxiety. Ironically, I was so scared of it at that <laughs> yeah. point that I was like, okay, I can't go back to that. Like, that's a horrible idea. So it was, yeah. you know, the one place in my life where anxiety might've served me so well. <laughs> um, 
but you know watching kind of this process evolve over time of introducing and like you said there were not options i mean like everybody was like oh there's this 0.5 beer now at the at the grocery store and you go and you drink it and you're like i mean come on like no 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 (laughs) this this is not 0.5 beer this is like somebody rinsed out the thing that they made beer in last and there is a slight off flavor of that incorporated in this bubbly water that i'm drinking um and so i went through that but i think that there's this whole side of sobriety too that a lot of people are starting to learn more about now that i really love and it's not necessarily the you know, the problematic behavior, but there's also this preventative kind of movement now where people are just accepting that they don't necessarily want to change their social life. They don't necessarily want to change the environment or the their existence. And, and you do mm-hmm. have to. I think when you are in a place where you choose sobriety, it influences your social life and your ability to exist within your social life immensely. And I think now that we're seeing this whole other population of people who are not necessarily in a place of crisis with their drinking or, uh, you know, having it be that extreme, but are consciously choosing differently. They're consciously choosing, but exactly that. How do you maintain that social life? when you take alcohol out of the equation, because I think it made people, I I think it still does in some environments, it makes people more uncomfortable that I'm not drinking than me. I I mean, I can can go, I I can go to a bar and drink water all night long. And I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't be happy to have me with you. I can drive you Mm -hmm. home at the end of the night. Yeah. But it got to a point where, I mean, people just started excluding me. People don't Mm -hmm. call me up and invite me out. People don't involve me. And that became well, you, so you left, common. You left the club. <laughs> I like I I ostracized myself in a yeah. way that I didn't even know was possible. I think we had a similar experience yeah. to you, Kendra. And um, I think our vision is that the non-alcoholic products will be so embedded into selections that you don't mm. stand out at a party. Like, you know, I don't yeah. notice anymore that somebody, oh, look at, they must be vegan. They're yeah. eating this. Right? I don't pay attention to that. Yeah. It's, it's part of our culture now. And yeah. I hope that we, yes, you have to distinguish just like you need to distinguish. This is gluten-free. This is dairy-free. You can eat this. We do that for allergies or for food preferences. Yep. We need to do the same with the alcohol. We need to, yes, distinguish it at a gathering, whether one side of the table has the sparkling non-alcoholic and the other has the sparkling Prosecco, you need to have that, but it needs to be blended in such a way that you have the same glass as the drinker. You're drinking something similar for the toast. You have a choice between red and wine, a red or white wine for dinner, should you choose, but it's all sort of blended in just like all the other food is. Yeah, yeah, like you're not sitting there with a juice box and a and a glass of Perrier <laughs> and like being like, Crazy. guys, like this will be this will be great. And it's funny, I mean, that you mentioned that, and it's so true because, I, I, I mean, so my wife, she was a bartender and, and an industry bartender, not just like a wasn't just you know at a bar at a chain restaurant. She was in the industry. She worked uh, you know, Tiff, she worked in, you know, at the Drake, she worked. So, I mean, she was in the industry. She was in a place while the cocktail industry was coming up and she needed to get sober for her own health, for her mental health and, uh, made that decision to do so. And, you know, imagine that, imagine your entire life being bartending in a, in a world where alcohol isn't just about drinking, it's it's a way of life, it's a way mm-hmm. of expression, it's a way of creativity, you know, the cocktail movement and everything that went into kind of exposing people to that and the, the complexities of it. Um, and she stops drinking and now it's like, okay, like I'm, I, I, I can't continue with my job. I can't, I can't, be in that environment. And now my whole world that existed from like one in the morning till six in the morning, isn't, 
isn't something that makes good sense to me anymore. And do those people who live for that industry choose to call you up for brunch, you know, the next day? Probably not because they're trying out the the last, you know, mixology exposure that they just had. And right. it's funny though, because so I sat down here and I mean, of course, so I, I, I love your product. I, I was exposed to your product through a conference first that I was speaking at and I, I met you guys and I, I remember just being blown away. Like, I think the thing I was most excited about when I saw the like lineup of who was going to be there and what was going on, I was like, there's a non-alcoholic sampling going on. And this is unheard of for me. And I've been speaking for a long time. I mean, you go to these conferences and nobody's trying to impress anybody with the lineup of non-alcoholic beverages. It's just never been a thing. But I happen to know myself and other notable presenters and people that were at that conference. This is very much a life choice for us. And so we were all excited. And Mm -hmm. I got there and I'm like, okay, so like what, you know, what, what's new? How different can this really be? Because I've never sought it out. I'm not somebody who did know to research non-alcoholic options. You know, I've hit some of the more premium near beers on occasion, but only because I was in Europe or only because I was places that that's what they served. Um, And I sampled your stuff and I remember going home and telling, you know, Christy about it and being like, okay, like you got to check this out. This is, this is, this blew me away because there were options. And, and so then today, of course, because why wouldn't I be on point? So the fact that like you guys have Collins, like I was just like, (laughs) maybe one of the drinks I missed the most in my sobriety, but I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, so how do we, she's like, no, Kendra, you can't just like put a Collins in like a short glass. And she's like, you got to put it in a tall glass and fill it with ice and pour it. And, and I laughed because I'm like, first off, it wouldn't have occurred to me, you know, it's been too many years. I can't remember how they used to serve these to me, but then it was exactly what you guys are talking about. It's the presentation. It's the involvement. It's the feeling like you are a part of it. It's, it's an inclusion that nobody has considered before. And so is it your own experience that led you to understand this differently? Or is it people coming to you and just being like mind blown and being like, okay, can you do this? Can you do this? What can you do next? Well, I think I think a lot of it is that, you know, the non the non drinker has been ignored, yeah. you know, for such a long time. And, you know, restaurants still don't get it, by the way. I mean, we're we are oh, selling, I understand. we are selling to some restaurants and, and, and cocktails, you know, are, are you know, you can find non-alcoholic cocktails more now than you ever could, which is yeah. which is a good thing. Um but, but sorry, and to interrupt for one second, you can find the mocktails, but the mocktails are really just their best cocktail minus the alcohol. Exactly. It, it's not as though the cocktail actually resembles a beverage that would be an option mm-hmm. if yeah. somebody considered that. Exactly. It's almost yeah. like um, a, a mocktail is a um, is a poor substitute for a cocktail, and it's almost poured with a little. You almost feel like you're getting a side of resentment. Uh, yeah. It. Yeah. And you are, you are because you're making them do the same amount of work, but somehow their time is valued less because it's not getting me drunk. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and it doesn't, isn't the same price and you won't no, tip no. the same on it. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think some of these places too, you're finding that it's like, they'll charge you more. Well, they <laughs> like, well, run for, for our products. Well, we would argue, 100%. we would argue if you, if you use, you know, uh, you know, one of our non-alcoholic spirits like Monday or HP Juniper that, yeah. If you're if you're creating the cocktail with the same care and the same ingredients and the same time and you've spent the money to to purchase a non-alcoholic spirit, yes, yep. you should charge the same. Absolutely. And I don't think there'll be a, anybody argue that fact who's who finally has options. Yeah, at, at I'll that pay restaurant. it. Yeah. I'll pay more. I will pay more. I will pay more to sit there and be able to enjoy the same experience as everybody else at the table and enjoy the beverage I have feel as though I'm being treated and that, absolutely without a doubt. Yeah. We, t- we talked to a couple who um, both quit and they used to go out for dinner once a week. They used to, you know, they used to, we spent, they said they spent 200 bucks every Friday night, you know, and now since there's no options, there's no red wine, no non-alcoholic red wine on a menu, yeah. 
this the 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 guy wanted to have that option. He said, "We yeah. we don't go out anymore. We we stay yeah. at home. Yeah. We try to find options online for us to drink." Yeah. And they're simply so restaurants really they're so alcohol centric still yeah. Yeah. that you know if if they don't realize that their customer is not the one person that they in their mind think is sober, you know, comes yeah. in once a week. Yeah. It's everybody who's buying a soft drink. Yeah. Like you could be, you could Absolutely. have be having a, a business lunch with a, with a customer and choosing not to drink alcohol because it's unprofessional. Like that yeah. could be your, your company's yeah. belief. Yeah. But if you were given an option of a non-alcoholic sparkling wine to have with your meal or something else, that would be a great way to, to, uh, you know, so the restaurant is kind of missing the boat a little bit. Yeah, it's it's your customer base is a bit bigger than you think it is. And a lot different now, I think. I think there is a, a an absolute awareness that is coming out. And I think with the generations coming up, the the exposure to uh, addictions and abuse and wanting to move away from that. It, it's uh, one, it's present. It's there. But two, it's so difficult. It's so challenging. And I think that, you know, I think I, I, I want to say that we're getting better. I, I feel like I find myself saying this with almost every single thing I talk <laughs> about in my life. I want to say we're getting better because right. there's this like, and I have to say we're getting better because you guys exist. So we're getting better. I mean, it's just a matter now of educating the, you know, masses of people who don't understand life without alcohol. Yeah. Yeah, and for sure. The number of times that I'm faced with that, the number of times that you know, in my journey and because I've been open about the fact that I'm sober and because I, you know, unequivocally people can't avoid me forever. So you're going to come in contact <laughs> with me and I'm not going to make excuses for it. I mean, and that's I think the other part that's that breaks my heart. It kills me. You know, you're talking about the the image of being able to go to a party and not have to be like come prepared with your story as to why you're going to justify that you're not drinking. And right. I remember, you know, I remember a great friend of mine and somebody I, I, I played hockey with and when she got pregnant and she wasn't ready for people to know she was pregnant. And it would have been so obvious that she was pregnant if she didn't have a beer in her hand. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, you know, we had won a tournament and I'm, I'm like, conspicuously just kind of like sneaking to the bathroom, filling her bottle up with water and coming back and putting it back in her hand. And I mean, how do we get away from that? How do we? Well, yeah, we did see something really encouraging on the weekend. Our, one of our daughters, uh, Emily, uh, gifted to a friend of hers who was hosting a Christmas party. So they're, they're both 31. Yeah. And, uh, her friend said to her, I have a number of guests coming who are sober. So Emily took over samples of things and i wish i could share it it is on our clear sip story uh one of the guests said oh my god thank yeah. you finally yeah. um and he was drinking i think he was drinking hp ready to drink gin and tonic or something he said i yeah. finally don't feel awkward at a party yeah um he said what when people people aren't asking me why i'm not drinking and if i told them the truth it's such a buzzkill i know <laughs> you know right he, he had that's a very funny but he, Emily got DMs all Sunday from Amazing. people at this party. And these are early 30s people yeah. that embraced it. Yeah. And, and we're and, thankful. And I think that that's such a huge message. And I think it's so important to get that out because I think that that crosses so many lines as well. I mean, it's no different than, you know, with mental health or alcoholism, addictions, you know, People don't want to have to be prepared to have those discussions. People don't want to have to. And it's not that they're embarrassed by it. It's not that they aren't willing to. And in some cases, it is, is, it is and that's also fine because nobody is expected to, to share that. But yeah. it's such a relief to be able to go into these environments and not have to come loaded, not have yeah. to come with like this this entire like contrived story right. and plan to to get through it and i think that more and more the more we normalize this and the more this becomes acceptable and the more this becomes accessible the more you'll see that i think that will become the new narrative and the new narrative will be i've been looking forever for ways to 
exist peacefully with my choices and my circumstances. Right. Exactly. Well, nobody, nobody asks you why you don't smoke. No, no. Like it's totally ridiculous. Or why you're putting sunscreen on. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't you know. know. There's still some people oh, who yeah, grab out that, some people who still grab out that like number <laughs> four. <oil>. Like. <laughs> but, but you know, it, if you only need to look at the Canadian uh, health guidelines that were released in August and they're, they're pretty clear in fact, and quite a de- departure from t- the last time they did it, which was, I think, 2011. Two drinks mm-hmm. a day for men, something like that. And the old ones, the old guideline, yeah. one drink a day, I think, for women. Now it's two drinks, anything over two drinks a week for anybody. Mm-hmm. You're at at a, a moderate to higher risk for seven different kinds of cancer. And it, heart and stroke. Yeah. And um, they, they bottom line it. I mean, there's a very extensive PDF on their on the guidelines um that was written by cam h and they basically say there we cannot determine a safe amount of alcohol to drink um now you don't want to be going to the party with that message (laughs) with the pdf PDF. excuse me we're gonna have to sit through this powerport before we get started (laughs) as tempted as i am do have some social skills yeah See, I don't know. I had far more social skills when I drank, but that's besides the point. Because at this point, I would fully rather accept the awkward and socially anxious person person that I am than deal with the repercussions of everything that alcohol for sure inevitably had on me. Well, you know, Oddbird, Oddbird, one of our producers who makes a a great, um, I think, one of the world leaders in sparkling, non-alcoholic sparkling, hundred percent. Yeah, I had it. I mean, Amazing. their tagline is, you know, would you like your wine with or without alcohol? And if we could, if we could get it. to that point where, yeah. like, like Margaret said, you're at a party, half the table's alcohol, half the table's non-alcohol. You fill your glass, you go, you you have fun with your friends, and it never came up. Wouldn't that just be? Or like the uh, coffee so pot ideal. that's caffeinated, or it has the orange rim on it, yeah. and it's decaf. Yeah. Right. Right. Who cares? That's what we're trying. That's what we're trying to, to get. Yeah. To, and, really and there's to. not there's not again, there's never that argument of like, you know, come on, like, buck up. You should you right. should you should put the caffeine in you. I think you should be crawling out of your skin for the rest of the day. And why would you want to sleep at night? Like, and I say this as somebody who very unintelligently decided to finish a coffee last night at 6 p.m. Oh, horrible. Dear. horrible. Oh, I was up till one o'clock this morning. I don't think I've seen one o'clock in this morning in the morning until, well, I shouldn't say that my kids are young, but it, you know, it's, I, I, I love everything about it. And I mean, it's, I, I, I kind of like, I kind of came, I kind of started stalking you guys. Like, let's be honest about this. I mean, I saw <laughs> you guys at the conference and then I came home and I talked about it and my mm-hmm. birthday was, I want to say a couple of weeks after that conference and I had mentioned it and I got the mixer pack for my birthday. This was because I had spoken so highly about the one drink I had had. Like I was so disappointed. I left the conference and I'm like, I should have just like loaded up so that you could taste this all Christy so that I didn't have to sit here and be like, we're never going to, we're never going to be okay again going into Sobeys and being like, this no like i i don't i don't want this i want that um but it is it's it's such a difference and i remember like i that was that was the main part of my birthday gift was a mixer pack from clear sips yeah. and it was phenomenal and it was it it was so many options that had not been available to me for so long and well that's what so we at the stack market at the sack market, we we talk to so many people. There's just you see their you see their journey. They go to the they go to the um, grocery store. Mm-hmm. You know, they a lot of them tried. You know, what was available there and beer. Fortunately, wine. yeah. Fortunately, they continued their search because I'm yeah. just I'm just afraid there's people out there that think that's the only option and they stop looking. I feel like a lot do. I yeah. I did. I did. Yeah. I mean, yeah. for me, my exposure is. You know, then you would go to the grocery store now. And I think now you can get like, uh, there's a couple of companies out there who have like non-alcoholic margaritas. And and in reality, you're drinking like bar lime with 
salt. <laughs> like you're not, you're yeah. not actually, there's not actually necessarily a component of it that actually tastes like you're drinking a margarita. And it's the equivalent of what you're going to get from the pissed off bartender when you order a non-alcoholic right. margarita. And they're like, why are you drinking this? It's like syrup. You're drinking a yeah, glass of syrup right now. For sure. But even that's better than and nothing. Nothing. A hundred percent. That's better to take, you know, if you're not drinking, it's better to take that to a party and not be questioned about your sobriety. Absolutely. You know, than, than not having that option for sure. Absolutely. So, but imagine flipping the table and being like, here, your option is you either have to drink the worst bottle of beer you have right. ever tasted in your life, or you have, you better come up with a good story for why you're not willing to drink that because yeah. that's, that's it. That's it. You're, you're selling yourself short. So I had this mixer pack and it was great because for the next, you know, couple of weeks we would, you know, we would share each of them so we could try them all. And I was just kind of blown away by it. And, um, you know, I reached out to you guys. Well, actually, no, it, it, that, that expanded a bit. So then you guys met a friend of mine, Jen McNeely. Right. Um, right. So Jen McNeely from She Does the City is actually somebody I went to high school with. And so I had had Jen as a guest on my podcast, I think maybe a couple of weeks before this. And we had spoken and I think Clear Sips came up as well because you guys were about to speak with her for She Does the City. And I was right. like, I, I can't wait for you to experience this. Like, Jen, you're going to be blown away. Because there are, you know, there with all due respect, there are a population of people who have had struggles with alcohol that aren't necessarily in a place where non-alcoholic versions of alcohol are a good choice. And that's fine. That's you know, that's, so that's yeah. absolutely fine. Yeah. And it makes sense. And that is something that you should know of yourself. It's If this isn't an option for you, if this is just a step in a bad direction for you, then, you know, I appreciate that. This isn't me sitting here saying everybody needs to be able to drink non-alcoholic versions of alcohol. Um, but the conversation Jen and I had was very much the piece that is, but you can have an option. You know, you can have an option where it's, I'm going to have an actually really enjoyable glass of wine with my meal, not just I'm going to drink something that is primarily like white grape juice, I think is the like main ingredient in right. every non-alcoholic wine they tried to make for a while. Um, I'm actually going to have a nice glass of wine with dinner tonight. And it's just so complimentary and it changes the experience and it changes the environment and it changes the feel of it. And it's not just like, yeah, like I just made a really nice steak and a really wonderful dinner and, if you got a Sprite, like it's yeah. just, it's just, Put your can it changes. On the table. Yeah. Well, <laughs> right. Like, yeah. I mean, for us, I guess for me, um, because, you know, there's been so many decades with, with wine. Um, I seriously enjoy the whole ritual of yeah. opening a bottle of wine, putting it in a nice glass, sharing it with Margaret, having it with a meal. Absolutely. And I really miss that part yep. of, yep. you know, of that, whole experience that, you know, that, uh, alcohol, I guess used to bring, but so you, there are all sorts of, you know, when you think about it, you can enjoy probably 95% of what you did when you drank without swallowing, you're purchasing the wine, you're storing the wine, you're chilling it, you're, you're, you're making a decision, you know, what would go with this food, you're doing all the same kinds of things, you're yeah. opening it, you might let it breathe for, for a bit, you're putting it in your glass. And, you know, and you're just not, it's just not, you're not, just not swallowing alcohol, but yeah. all the rest of it is still there to be enjoyed. And so the, and the alternative to clean, to clear sips is to just put like a spit bowl next to everybody at the dinner table. That'd yeah. be great. Eh? <laughs> like, exactly. I don't actually have anything good to offer you to drink right now, but if you want a glass of this, you can just spit. I feel a new ad campaign coming on there. I don't. Yeah, sure. You're but welcome. This, you're welcome. This is, part, this is part of the whole kind of inclusive host theme that is so prevalent on our site because we really yeah. feel strongly about that whether you're a restaurant whether you're you know having a christmas party or or you know to think when you when you provide an option for somebody who doesn't drink yeah. that person the relief that person must feel you know being with a group which is intimidating Absolutely. as we've yeah. talked about it's intimidating 
yeah. already to be yeah. going to a party when you don't drink. Yeah. But to, to see that that host has thought of you, yeah. I mean, that's powerful. To feel seen, yeah. yeah. And, and and so every single thing of what you just said, every single word in that sentence, in that description is why, you know, uh, I'm ecstatic. And, and I hope you don't mind me doing this because we didn't talk about me doing this right now, but we're doing this. So I'm ecstatic to be partnering with you guys. I am, I, I can't think of a better relationship to be able to share with the guests on my podcast. And I mean, you know, Clear Sips has, has become our, our sponsor on the Speakeasy uh, podcast. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited to be able to share this and to offer that inclusion to my guests because so often, you know, even this, even just sitting and having a conversation with somebody, um, there's nobody who comes to these conversations without a drink in their hand. And whether it's water, whether it's tea, whether it's coffee, whether it's a yeah. drink, you know, it, I was on a podcast recently where I sat down and, and both of the hosts were enjoying a glass of wine and they were like, would you like a glass of wine? And I hmm. was like, Hmm, I would, but that's really going to change the feel of this podcast. <laughs> it's like, I, I'm pretty sure at this point, if I sniff the cork, we're going to have a really interesting show. Yeah. Um, but you know, the follow-up was then, oh, geez, like I, you know, we have a bottle of water. I think maybe there's a ginger ale in the fridge yeah, from my lunch. Yeah, it's always the last thought. And it's always it, the last thought. It's, it just, and, and fine. I mean, there's, I'm far enough along in my journey and I have been experiencing this for long enough that I can make excuses for people. I have zero expectation of mm -hmm. people to have considered the fact that I'm not going to be thrilled when you offer me a glass of wine. I will even make a joke about it so that you don't have to feel uncomfortable about yeah. the fact that you just <laughs> yeah. offered me a glass of wine. But I'm so excited. I'm so excited for this relationship moving forward. I'm so excited because, it, and I mean, you know this about me now and, and everybody knows this about me by now is, you know, I'm always considering wellness and mental health on everything I do. And I think that the power of connection and inclusion and, kindness and and you know really showing up for each other right now is so important i think that you know we're coming into a holiday season where a lot of people feel isolated a lot of people feel mm -hmm. excluded and this is just another simple kindness that we can offer one another to break down some of those barriers to pull somebody into a room and have them feel a little less alone and i think it's so powerful like i have goosebumps and i i, I yeah. <laughs> well kendra you should know when we first met you in september at that conference and the one that you referenced where you found out that we were revolution fantastic yeah. conference we can totally yeah. give them a plug and here. david emily or david mary and i were working that yeah that table when you came over your energy was palpable and and so authentic and uh, you talked to us and you were so enthusiastic and when you left, the three of us were like, wow, like she's like magical. Like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like I started selling your products for you. I was well, sitting there were... at the table. I'm like, you need to try this. Like, yeah. I was just like, can I please have one more? <laughs> but wow. your, your interest in it and your authenticity about mental health and sobriety and all of it just came so through to yeah. us. So yeah. we couldn't be happier about the uh, partnership. Yeah. And I'm when it so came excited. In our right? direction a few weeks ago, we were like, are you kidding me? So yeah. we feel like it's the perfect match. We yeah. really it is. Do. It is like, I can't, I can't, there's just so many levels of it and it, maybe it just sounds so simple to a lot of people, but you know, as somebody who's walked into that room and as somebody who struggles to walk into any room, I mean, I know that it's hard to believe. I get that. I put out, you know, a feeling of, of comfort where I am because I've learned that and I've learned how to do that. And I've learned how to support myself in a way that I can make a safe space anywhere I go. But at the same time, there is an underlying constant attention and energy that I have to give to make that possible for myself. Mm -hmm. And this just feels like such an easy and simple gesture of kindness and and inclusion that I'm just blown away by it because the, the opportunity, I mean, I wish that, that this had happened a few weeks ago. I wish I could have, you know, sent Jen a bottle of wine so that when I was sitting there, 
having a conversation with her, I could have, you know, enjoyed that with her as well and connected on that with her as well. And that's something that alcohol offers that I am jealous of. And that is not the actual alcohol. It's not the feeling or what I'm left with or the effect that alcohol has on me. It's the connection. It's the same possibility. Yeah. It's the same possibility as having a good meal or having, Mm -hmm. you know, foods that you can sit and share and just be present with one another. And that's something that alcohol does provide. And to have the opportunity again to now be able to offer that to people, like I'm thrilled. I'm so like you guys sent me product and you don't understand. Like I am so excited (laughs) for Christmas because I have these boxes to be like, you've got to try this. My father, big scotch and whiskey drinker, loves it. Some health issues have, have, have changed his, his direction and he's no longer able to enjoy that. Do you know how excited I am that I have a bottle of whiskey here for him to be like, I get to pour my dad a whiskey at Christmas and throw some ice in that. And he gets to sit there with that and feel the normalcy that was his entire life before what he's dealing with. And if even that moment gives him, you know, a a smile, a moment of just, wow, I, I can't imagine a better gift to be able to offer him right now. Like yeah. I'm, I'm going to tear up. I'm going to tear yeah. up about this is we <sighs> love hearing these stories. Yeah, we, I'm going to drink really my Collins do. now. <laughs> <laughs> no, cause there's a lot to the business as you know, behind scenes that isn't all moving stories or feeling like we're impacting because businesses are complicated and we Absolutely. keep our eye on the ball by Absolutely. hearing the stories. And that is our vision. Yeah. That we and get- that's why I love you guys. And that's why when I thought to myself, I'm like, okay, there's, there's something here. I, I remember reaching out and I'm like, I don't know what the answer is. Like, <laughs> what do you envision here? I was like, I don't know, but I have to be part of something. Something has to exist here. This just makes too much sense. Like yeah. Yeah. you meet people. I feel like you have to collect people in life. And when mm-hmm. you have an opportunity to collect good people, and you have an opportunity to collect people who get it, who understand that what they are offering in the world isn't as simple as, hey, you don't have to drink a Coke anymore. You can have this instead. Yeah. When there's more to that, I just, I couldn't let it go. Well, I think to, to your story, um, you know, when we, again, when we, at Stack Market, every single person we talked to, even if, a lot of them were coming in to, to you know, to, to find things for themselves. Every single person knew at least one other person in their family, in their friend group, you know, that struggles or is yeah. in sobriety. And yeah. everybody was, it was so neat to see people thinking about mm-hmm. other people. Yeah. You know, I, I love uh, it. Like, yeah, it, it's, there's so many levels and we could honestly, if we just sat here and kept talking, there's 50 more stories that are going to come to me in the next five minutes where I'm just, yeah. it's just like mind blowing where it connects. But it, you know, I'm, I'm so excited for this journey with you guys. I'm so excited to have met you and that you didn't just like, I, I'm really happy that I wore the, the bright jacket that stood out at Revolutioner <laughs> so that you guys couldn't forget me. I'm like, well, yeah, that's I, it. Like, you, you need to know when you left the table, mm-hmm. it was later on that afternoon, I said to Mary, I said, you remember meeting that woman with the blonde hair? And I, I said, she has got an amazing aura. <laughs> oh, you I know? love that. And it was just, I was on, you know, that was just. It's true. You know, before we'd even talked again or, or anything else, I just, we just both observed that aura around you, which is, which is great. I mean. Really I good. love Meant it. Meant to be. It <laughs> is. It is. And I can't wait to see where this goes. And I, I am, you know, a hundred percent behind what everything you guys are doing. I, I love it. I can't wait to share it with others. I can't wait to experience it with others. I can't wait to connect with others and be able to offer that. Um, I can't wait to see you guys again. We need to do that soon. And I just thank you from the bottom of my heart for what you guys are doing, for turning your journey into something that actually impacts others in a way that 
people so desperately need right now. And if you ever need that reminder, if you ever have one of those days where you're like, why is nobody getting this? Or <laughs> you just call me up because I'm we like, will. We'll this is, up on that. If, if you need that recharge, I'm here. I am. Oh, I am your girl. Well, thank <laughs> you so much. First yeah. of all, with inviting us to this whole opportunity yeah. and, and for being here today, it's just been wonderful talking to you. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you so much. I will talk to you guys soon. Happy holidays. Thank you so much for my gift boxes. I'm so excited. And I, I assure you, you'll see it all over social media as I'm like bragging about the options that I have available. Like I'm, I feel like I have to throw a party now. I'm just going to have to throw a party. That's yeah. just the way it's going to be. So Aww. thank you so much. I will talk to you guys soon. Take care. Okay, Take care. Thank you. Thanks for hanging out with us on another episode of Speakeasy, where we believe conversations are meant to be had out loud. Share this episode to help others find our show. And don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. You can also join me at kfisher30 on Instagram as I travel across Canada and the U.S. tackling the current mental health crisis with colleges and universities.